If you check in with your gut and it's God or it's your gut or it's the universe, however people hear it, and it's telling you you're not supposed to be doing this anymore. You can hear that and you quit what you're doing. That's a victory. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. And if you're brand new, here's what you need to know. This is a community that believes that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We believe in the 12th century definition of wealth, which is the condition of well-being. And so every week, We focus on well-being in six pillars, and these are the areas of life that impact our finances, even when we're not thinking about it. If you need to get caught up, and I suggest you do, head to patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Again, the pillars can be broken down for you at patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Before we dive into this week's episode, it's brought to you by our Redefining Wealth private Facebook community. Yes, we have a community of purpose chasers from all over the globe. I don't believe that greatness can be created in isolation. You need people and you need like-hearted, not just like-minded folks around you. So join our free Facebook community at IamAPurposeChaser.com. You'll get to meet purpose chasers who are near you. Yes, in your own country, wherever you are. You can suggest show topics and guests and even get early access to upcoming events and programs. Purpose chasers always know first. So join us at I am a purposechaser.com. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with the CEO and co-founder of It Cosmetics. Yes, you may have heard they sold their business to L'Oreal for a billion dollars. The founder, Jamie Kern Lima, is here to remind us why it is important that we believe in our dreams before anyone else can. I am so excited about today's episode with Jamie Kern Lima. When I received her book, Believe It, I literally could not put it down. This woman's story is incredible. And listen, if you feel like God has given you a vision, a mandate, right? Like you have been called to do something great in the world. I really pray that this episode inspires you. The book, Believe It, will inspire you. It will encourage you. It will motivate you to keep going because this woman's story is full of no's, right? And sometimes we just think about the yes, right? The the one that the press releases are made of, but we don't hear the backstory. We don't get to hear about the sleepless nights, the tears, and all those times that, you know, life was just full of doubt. But Jamie does such a great job of laying it out in her book, as well as sharing her story in this episode. And I can't wait for you to hear. Jamie Kern Lima started It Cosmetics in her living room and grew the company into the largest luxury makeup brand in the country. She sold the company to L'Oreal in a billion-dollar deal and became the first female CEO of a brand in its history. Her love of her customers and remarkable authenticity and belief eventually landed her on the Forbes America's Richest Self-Made Women list. Today, Jamie's a mother of two, active investor, speaker, and thought leader who is passionate about inspiring and elevating women. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Jamie Kern Lima. (laughs) 
Welcome to the Redefining Wealth Podcast, Jamie. Patrice, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. This is a big moment. I feel blessed and grateful to share it with you and your whole community. So thank you. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have you. I have to start by giving a shout out to our mutual girl, Amy Porterfield. So I had heard the name Jamie Kern Lima, of course, like heard the name, right? Um, But it wasn't until we both did Amy Porterfield's event that people were tagging us up. They're like, oh my gosh, Jamie, Patrice, Patrice and Jamie. And so we finally got a chance to DM each other like, hi, people say we should know each other. And it's just been such a blessing just watching your journey um, and getting to know you. And as soon as you even mentioned, I don't think you had announced it yet, but you mentioned your book, I think in a DM or something. And I'm like, I want to be a part of your book launch team. I want to do whatever I can because the authenticity that I just feel every time you post, every time you share something just really comes across. And there's something that you say in the book. And I think you got this from a mentor perhaps, but it was, you can't fake authenticity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Cause you could feel it. You know what I'm saying? That's why I think people love your show so much. It's like, there's times I listen to your show. I literally start sobbing. I'm supposed to be like <laughs> editing my book. And I'm like, Oh, you just feel it. Right. You feel something come over you. Like you cannot fake authenticity. And it's the only way to ever, ever actually, as you know, ever have a, a real human connection or a connection with our customers. So thank yeah. you for saying that. That is, um, that's the, the biggest compliment. So thank you. Well, I, and I definitely think that that's like the thing maybe that folks kept picking up from both of us during that time was the not being afraid to tell the truth. Not that it's easy, but to tell the truth about the journey. So you have this amazing bio, right, where people are like, oh, she's done all the things, you know, founder of It Cosmetics and QVC legend at this point and all that stuff. And yet you chose to write a book about what it really took Mm, to build this empire. Yeah. Why? Why? I, you know, I like you talk about DMs, right? I, I get so many DMs from people saying like, oh, I saw whatever the Wall Street Journal. And it's like, oh, you went from being a Denny's waitress to, to, billion dollar entrepreneur. Like, did you get lucky or did like, and the more I would hear those, those things, I would realize, oh, wow. If, if, if I never share like the story behind the story, it's like, then everyone else out there is going to feel like, oh, you know, alone (laughs) in all the stuff they might be going through or in the struggle or in the, all of that. And so for me, it was, it was years of prayer just to decide to do it. And I just realized like, my story isn't the the Denny's waitress to to billionaire entrepreneur. Like my, my real story is a, a girl who went from not believing in herself uh, to learning how to believe in herself, and from like doubting she's enough to 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 that journey of how do I know I'm enough and worthy, and also that the, a journey of not trusting myself, and then like learning how to turn down the volume on on everything else, and 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 tune in and hear my intuition and trust myself. And I wrote it because I know it's like, it's not just my story. It's a story of so many people out there who are on that journey of like, oh, I know I was, you know, I know God put me on this earth with with a calling and I feel like I'm supposed to give more or serve more or do more or create more. Uh, But like, 
I doubt it anyway. And that's the majority of my journey. And so I wrote Believe It because it's it's all the things I, I wish I had known that would have saved me a lot of money, a lot of nights crying myself to sleep, a lot of self-doubt and body doubt and God doubt and all that stuff along the journey. So it's really like, I don't know, you know, when you do something that's just not about you in, in the weirdest way, it's like, that's what I feel about this book. It's like, for me, it's, um, you know, my prayer is that it's, it's, it's a tool um, through the power of stories uh, for everyone out there on their own journey to like stepping into all of who they are um, and believing that that's possible. Girl, let me tell you, you actually took the words. I was about to read a line <laughs> from your introduction, but then you said the exact same thing that I was going to read. Um, just the real me who has struggled with anxiety, self-doubt, body doubt, and God doubt. And that's yeah. what people, I remember I did an episode called Doubt Doesn't Mean Don't Do It. Because sometimes, especially as women of faith, right? And I know I have men listeners too. I'm shout out to you all. But especially as women of faith, you think that if I doubt, where is my faith? Like if there's Mm -hmm. that, if there's like an inkling of insecurity about, should I be moving forward? Should I be putting my all into this? Should I be, you know, giving a hundred hours a week to this thing that I feel so strongly about, even when other people are not validating the idea for me or other people don't see it. Should I be doing this? How do I know that God called me to do this? And I remember there's a part in the book where you had been rejected so much. Like you heard no from Sephora and you heard no from Ulta and the department stores and all the places. And you believed in it cosmetics so much. And then you had a conversation with your therapist and, you know, we think we're big on therapy around here. It's the first pillar fit pillar. We talk about being mentally fit. You had a conversation with your therapist and you, it was about your faith. Can you share what your therapist suggested? Yeah, this was like life-changing for me because the truth is like I was raised going to church every Sunday, but I always, if I'm being honest, I always felt like I was like forced to go (laughs) every Sunday. Right. And it was a Lutheran church and I would sit in the pews and I would like, I couldn't connect with what the sermons were and they're the longest part of the day. And I would find myself like counting down the minutes, scanning the pews for cute boys. And I was not, and, but, Oh, I thought that was just, um, AME church. I didn't know y'all did that in Lutheran church too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. And I just, but I, but I like, I always knew I was supposed to believe, you know what I mean? So like I grew up praying and I grew up believing in God, all those things. And then when I started, you know, venturing out, meeting new people who, who, you know, were raised different than me and had different faiths or no faith. And, and at one point in my life, I lived in New York city and I met so many people who only believe in science-based arguments, right? Which is you believe in what you can see and touch and feel and prove for which faith is not required. And a lot of those arguments started to make sense to me. And, you know, I went through this phase in my life and I don't, maybe some of you, of your community can relate to this, or maybe they're even there now where I was praying. I would pray, oh, you know, I'd pray for someone's health or gratitude for something or this or that. And then I would feel 
in this really weird way, like a fraud, because like, I didn't fully believe God existed. Do you know what I mean? And I was just like, it was this conf, this space of conflict in my own self. And this went on for years. I never talked about it. And so, uh, uh, and, and by the way, the book has so many business lessons and life lessons, but there's a lot of personal stuff in there I've never shared before. And the reason I had started going to a therapist is, um, I had gone through this crazy season for anyone who's ever had like a secret in their family, um, or in their partnership or in a friendship where you think, you know, the person (laughs) and then the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. Well, Jamie, you can, you can tell that story too, as the leader, because that is, that's a story within itself. So how did you get down the path to to get into the purpose? (laughs) Yes. And by the way, like I was raised, you know, by multiple families I know now, but I was, no one went to therapy, like the way, the way I was raised, right? You either like, don't talk about something or you figure it out on your own. And that was kind of, so no one had ever gotten therapy. So I, I went through this season in my life. Um, and, uh, I thought, and, you know, I love my mom more than anyone on this planet. And, uh, but in my, and I should say in my late twenties, mid to late twenties, uh, I found out by surprise I was adopted and I had no idea they didn't, she didn't intend for me to find out. And it started, uh, this kind of multi-year journey of me trying to find my birth parents. And, um, I was, I had a name on paperwork and I didn't know if it was real or not. And I ended up spending five years calling thousands of women across the country that either had that first middle or last name and getting hung up on every, you know, cause you think it's a telemarketer calling or something. And it was just this journey. And so I won't, uh, I won't, (laughs) lots of lessons I learned around it, around identity, around trust, around all these things that I talk about in the book whenever anyone feels like betrayed or just like the rugs pulled out from underneath them um, uh, and the role of faith played in that too. But I was going through all that and, um, and, uh, and And engaged, planning a wedding. (laughs) Yeah. And by the way, Patrice, like I did not want to get married. Like I, oh, this is, I feel like I talked to you for 20 million hours, but anyone who's ever been like, Oh, I don't need a man. I, I like my friends grew up planning their weddings and I was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, right. Cause I had a lot of stuff in my childhood that made me feel like women are super women and like a guy will just hold you back. And you know, we all got issues. Right. So, <laughs> so it was like raised that way. And so I just never wanted to. Meanwhile, um, when my now husband proposed, it was like, I really honestly felt like God spoke to me and gave me a piece about it that didn't make sense in my head, but it made sense in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have the same? Yeah. I was also the girl when we first met with the wedding planner. I remember she turned to me and she's like, oh, I'm pretty sure you've known what your wedding day was going to look like since you were a little girl. And I was like, honestly, I've never thought about it. Like I didn't even think about it when I accepted the proposal. There was no thought in my head about what my wedding day would be like. And as a matter of fact, my husband was like, I have a notebook. I have, he's like, I have several things that I would like to see at the wedding. And I was just like my dress, but I haven't thought about. (laughs) Patrice, here's a vision board for all your dress options. (laughs) (laughs) But I I understand exactly what you're saying. I come from a family where there was no one else is married to this day. To this day, I'm the only married woman. I think I have a first cousin that just got married, but that was not 
even a thought in my mind, honestly. I think that just from seeing my mom, my grandmother, my aunts, it was normal for people to have children and not necessarily be married. And I just yeah. never really planned for it. It was like, if it happened, okay, cool. So kind of like you, I was like, oh gosh, I stalled. I was like, ooh, you, I mean, we were engaged forever. Yeah. When I said yes, though, I felt a peace. And I had prayed about it. And I knew God said that was my husband. He was my best friend. But I also was not like, like you, the girl who was like, I got it. I just didn't have it. I didn't have it all planned out. Um, yeah, exactly. So it was, it was that way. And I was having anxiety about it. I was like, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And, and, uh, and, you know, I had spent years trying to find my parents, didn't know where I came from. And then, the more time went on, the more I was doubting God existed on top of it all. I felt like, oh, a lot of these science-based arguments make a lot of sense. And I feel like it was between not knowing where I came from, literally my head saying, you do not want to be tied down to a man, like, uh uh-uh, and (laughs) doubting God existed. I was, I started seeing a therapist. I got, I went through a real tough season uh, where, um, you know, I just started having panic attacks for the first time and just was really depressed. And, and, and so I started seeing a therapist and she helped with all that. And one day we were in the middle of a session and I told her, I said, and I haven't, by the way, I have no idea what she believes or if she believes anything, I have no idea. And I said to her one day, like that I was doubting God existed. And I was feeling like when I prayed, it was disingenuous because I know, like, you know, I know I'm doubting and She said something to me that literally changed my entire life that day. She said, well, if you think God created the whole universe, what makes you think he can't handle your doubt? And I'm like, and then she said, Mm -hmm. tell him you doubt him and ask him to prove you wrong. And I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) Right. And she's like, she's like, why don't you just start trying this? Why don't you just start telling him you're doubting him and ask him to prove you wrong? Like being a shadow of a doubt. So I was like, Okay. So then this started like a a multi-year journey. It wasn't five minutes later. It was a multi-year journey where when I would pray, I'd, you know, pray, you know, on and on and on. And at the end, I'd be like, and I'm doubting you exist. So if you could please show up to me, prove me wrong in a shadow of a doubt, like I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Jesus name. Amen. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like that's what I (laughs) went through. And this was a journey and like, there were, there are so many times now where he's shown up where I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, like, like where it's all, but literally screamed it was God. And in, and in some cases, there's a, a crazy story of, you know, we went through three years of, of, you know, we started this company at cosmetics in our living room. And I just thought for anyone else out there, like launching their own dream or in this season of, of struggle, I thought like, Oh, if we actually can pour all our savings into creating a product that works, like it's just going to sell. And, um, <laughs> and didn't know what I didn't know. And, uh, you know, I, I, I quit my dream job. I was working as a, as a, in TV news. And I thought that's what I would do my whole career. Cause I love other people's stories. And, um, I, I thought like, but I just felt this like calling. I was like, I'm supposed to do this. I didn't know anybody in the beauty industry. I didn't know any, uh, I had no connections. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but we poured all of our savings into, into creating uh, our first product and having the advisory board and all that. 
by the time it was done, I just felt like, oh my gosh, this is, I felt it was so good. It's just going to sell. And what I didn't realize is from the point we launched the business, it would be three years before we could ever afford to pay ourselves. And it was also three years of no's. So it was like you mentioned, all the department stores, all the beauty retailers, QVC was always my dream to go on QVC because I felt like we all are raised with these commercial, like these ads in magazines and on, and you don't even know if the person's wearing the product, like they're all Photoshopped. I was like, you know, I have hereditary rosacea, which is this bright red, bumpy sandpaper, like skin condition on my face. And I'm like, I can never find anything that worked for me. Right. Which is why I created the company, but I dreamed of QVC because I thought like if I could show it live, like I could prove live the product works, like that would be huge. But they said, no, they said no for three years. And we got one shot on QVC, which I can share that story only if you want me to. I want you to share it, but I I have to ask you this before you share that, because I don't want to skip over the fact that there were three years of no's. And it was three years of believing when many other people didn't. So not only are you battling the doubt of others, you're also battling now your own self-doubt. Like, is Mm -hmm. this really what I'm supposed to do? How did you keep showing up? Because so many people, Jamie, we say this all the time. We know that people quit before they even have an opportunity to really manifest like the thing right before they get to experience the win, because most people will say, well, I'm going to give it six months. If it doesn't work, I'll go back to doing what I was doing. I'll give it a year. If it doesn't work, I'm just going to go back to doing what I was doing. How do you keep showing up for three years? I was tempted to do a lot of those things. And I also did a lot of things wrong in those three years. One of the things I did do right was I did learn. I did learn how to break through all the noise of other people's opinions of the experts telling me I'm not the right fit for them. Our products are the right fit for them of other people's opinions of friends and family in my circle who I love so much, who love me, who didn't get it. (laughs) Um, All that stuff, our own self doubt. I feel like it's so loud that I feel like if we don't learn and I talk about this a lot um, in parts of the book because learning how to turn down the volume on all of that, yes, right, is so important. Otherwise, we'll never ever hear our own knowing, which for me, like our gut feeling, our truth, it's how I hear God. It's how it's like our own. And I believe every one of us has an inner knowing a gut feeling, a truth. And I feel like most people actually never learn how to listen to it. I think most people, maybe they feel like they have once or twice, they don't trust it. And I think most people get the noise of everything else, the self-doubt, the people's, the the proof around us that says our idea is not working yet. (laughs) Like all those things get so loud. It's so easy to never even even either to confuse that with, oh, this is a sign it's not working. My gut's telling me it's wrong. But I feel like learning how to get still and how to tune all of that out and tune in and listen and, and trust your own gut. And then once you know what it's saying, trust yourself and do it. That is the only, literally the only reason that we didn't give up because it 
was so hard. I mean, it was the three years of no's. It was, it was being told you're not the right fit. It was getting down to under a thousand dollars in our bank account, which was the company bank account and our personal bank account. It's really hard. And I think because when most people are in that situation where there's no proof around you, you're on the right track or that your business is the right idea or that you have what it takes or that you're qualified or that this is God ordained or any, when you see no proof around you (laughs) and it's so hard to keep going. And for me, the only reason is every time I would get still and I would check in, I felt this overwhelming feeling like I was supposed to be doing this. I was supposed to be doing this, right? And I think sometimes, yes, of course, most people never make it because they quit long before or their why isn't deep, 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 deep enough to keep them going when it gets tough, right? Or they just don't maybe want to work hard or what? There's a million reasons. Mm-hmm. And, and, and by the way, giving up on my dream job was really hard too, but like, and one of the things I talk about is knowing when to let go of a dream is as important as knowing when to go after one. And yes, the reason, and it's okay to quit on something. If you check, in my opinion, if you check in with your gut and it's telling, and it's God or it's your gut or it's the universe, however people hear it. Um, and it's telling you, you're not supposed to be doing this anymore. Yeah. If you can hear that and you quit what you're doing. That's a victory. That's a oh, victory. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. That's a victory. And, and similarly, I kept checking in. And every time I would check in, it, that's what I would hear is that, I, is that I was on the right track. So I had to get good about really going deep on what's my why that would help fuel me. I had to get really good about listening and trusting myself. And really, it's that volume dial. I'm telling you, I feel like so many people turn the volume up on the people that love them in their circle. But the problem is it gets so loud that they end up talking themselves out of their own truth, right? And they end up essentially never becoming the person they were born to be. And I've had moments in my journey where I've done that, right? And when I look back, I think like, oh, most of the big mistakes I made were when I listened to an expert over my own gut, or I talked myself out of what I knew deep down inside. I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to deal. I didn't want to risk it. I didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, Um, I know. I have to tell you what I, what I underlined here when you talk about the experts. So your first time on QVC, you made the decision to be your own model and Mm -hmm. to show your own, your real skin and to do what felt right. But the experts were saying, no, you need to go with the model. But I love this line from the book. Sometimes we have to take the experts off the pedestal we've created in our minds for them and put our intuition onto one. Mm. So good. So good. It's good. And, you know, we talk about when we were talking about knowing, well, in, in my journey, asking for God to show up, right? So, we were at this, we, we were down to no money, as you know. <laughs> it was like a really good night when we went to the Costco food stand and got the dollar hot dog. It was like, because it was good and it was only a dollar. And, um, <laughs> and it was like a date night. We were at this, I didn't know what we we're going to do. We we're su- super close to going out of business. We we're doing about two to three orders a day on our website, which barely kept us alive. And we we're at this big beauty expo. There's 6,000 women there in New York City. And um, you enter your product, hoping it'll win an award. And the, the thousands of women test your product and walk the floor and vote. And 
that day, I'm going to cut, I'm, I'll cut the story short because I go way deep in it in the book. But that day, a QVC uh, show host came up to me and tried our concealer and I didn't recognize her at first. And, you know, I'm just talking like, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I'm an introvert. So like, it was a lot for me. I was just like, I was just giving everything I had that day, trying to talk to everyone because I had no money. And I was like, someone please love this product. And anyways, she uh, came back to me later in the show and she said, I, I want you to know, I think our QVC gals at home would love this product. I think you should be on QVC. And I, I went and told the, the buyer who's over at the big booth that she needs to give you a chance. And I start sobbing right there in the booth. And I think I freaked her out because she's like, oh, oh, oh she's like, I can't she, promise anything, girl. Yeah. She's like, I have no power. I just, and she started panting. I'm like, oh, crap. I think I'm scaring her. Right. And I was, but she didn't know what I knew, which is like, oh, everyone has said no, including QVC for years. And we're down to no money. So we get one shot. Long story short, we had a meeting with QVC. They gave us a yes. We had we got one shot uh, to go on air on QVC in this ten minute window. And QVC, for anyone who's never seen it, it's it's a um, live television shopping channel. So it, it broadcasts to a hundred million homes. You go live. There's no script, n- no anything. And they give you a certain number of minutes, right? So we got one shot and 10 minutes, but to hit their sales goal, because QVC, you're competing with like Dyson Vacuum and Vitamix Blender and Apple iPhone. And if you're going to get a minute of airtime, you have to hit their sales goal. So, uh, so and rem- remember, um, Patrice, we were only doing two, three orders a day on our website. And we find out we're offered a consignment deal. And we had to sell over 6,000 units of our product in this 10 minute window or not. Girl, if that's not faith, wait a minute. Can we, (laughs) can we get the picture here? You're doing two to three orders a day on your website. You've heard no's left and right, right? You finally get a yes. And you literally have 10 minutes with a no script and 100 million households are going to be looking at you on live television and you need to pre-order like make sure because that's what consignment is right you needed to come up with the six thousand units before you even got there before you would get a check from anyone exactly and if we went on air and it didn't sell it gets all shipped back to us. We don't get paid for what doesn't sell and we would have gone out of business. So every entrepreneur learns or or just already knows whatever you do, never accept a purchase order. You can't afford to lose. And we shouldn't have done it. But at that point, it was like three years in, no's from everyone. We didn't know what we were going to do. We're like, you know what? Like, let's just do it. Like at this point, we we might go to business anyway. And so it was, uh, so we applied for SBA loans 22 banks said no. As bank number 23, they gave us an SBA loan for the amount of money that covered just the purchase order, just what QVC ordered to sell in that first, uh, that one 10 minute airing. So anyhow, my why was to, and, and I haven't even shared the story. There's a whole other story of one of the rejections in the book where we thought we were getting an investor and we did meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And then the last meeting, they said no to investing in our company. And the head guy said, I just, when I asked him why and asked him to be honest, he said, I just don't think women will buy makeup from someone who looks like you with your body and your weight. Right. And when that big rejection happened, there's so many rejections, Patrice, but when that one happened, it, it reminded me that uh, the definition of beauty that's out there 
even affected this dude who has probably never worn a beauty product in his life, but he's thinking, what will make me money? And he thought I wouldn't make him money, right? So all these things, all these experiences we go through, we accumulate. And the reason I'm sharing that is because uh, as it came down to our one shot on QVC, a couple things. The, the head guy of all of QVC, his name's Alan Burke, earlier had told me, you're not, when I finally got him on the phone, he said he reviewed our products with buyers unanimously. This was a year, almost a year prior. He said, you're not the right fit for us or for QVC. And you, when people tell you things like that, you're not the right fit. It's so hard to not turn up the volume and let it replay over and over. Right. So just those skills of like turning down the volume on that. So we get our one shot. We have a 10 minute window and we hired these third-party consultants that are experts and they help a lot of people do really well on television and sell their products in other places. And we hired them and they all said the same thing to me. Like, if you want to have your best shot at success, here's how you produce your 10 minutes. You need to hire these type of models. And they all look like the ones in magazines my whole life that when I was a little girl, I used to aspire to look like that, yet I didn't. So they always made me feel like I wasn't enough, right? This whole thing. And they're telling me this and I'm like, okay, but my deeper why is like, oh no, I want to show the product works on people of problematic skin like me. And I like, like if I'm sitting at home watching and I don't see someone that looks like me, how do I know it's going to work for me? Right. And this whole thing, and we would get into it and they were mortified. I wanted to show my own bare skin on television and listen, they just, they wanted me to win. Right. So they're telling me the best advice they knew how. And anyhow, um, I grew up with my mentor my whole life from afar being Oprah, right? And I, I had probably seen every episode. And as a little girl, it like helped me not feel alone and all those things. And, and you know, because she shares it all, the, the, all the parts. And so I flew out to QVC a week early before our one shot. And I sat in this rental car staring at the front door of QVC for a week. A week long, I sat in that car all day long myself watching people go in and out. And I knew like the next time I go in there, I'm either going to have my life changed and, or I'm going to be bankrupt, which also will change my life. And it was, it felt so heavy that I literally, of course I prayed and then I cried. And then I always remember this quote by 50 cent who says either pray or worry, but don't do both. I was trying so hard not to do both, but I was doing both. And so then um, I remember this episode with Steven Spielberg. Well, it was with Oprah talking about she was obsessed with the color purple and it took over her life, right? And she headed to this track. She was running the track. Yeah, and I, I surrender this. all. You remember this? And she's singing I surrender all, trying to just get God to take it from her because she was so sick of the weight of her obsession. And then anyways, so I, I didn't know what else to do. So I'm sitting in the rental car crying, singing, I surrender all. I'm like, well, it worked for Oprah. And I'm like crying. <laughs> I'm like, God, take this from me because I know what I need to do, but I also don't want to go out of business and I don't want it to not work. And I don't, and we start to second guess ourselves sometimes we, we have this knowing, but then like all the experts are telling us one thing. And I knew what I had to do. Like I knew like I would imagine who, you know, all the women and, and men are that are turning on QVC and watching. And it's like, I'd rather stand for something and have no regrets, right? Than like sell a whole bunch of product and stand for nothing. And, but it's hard. And yeah. I, right. And I remember um, Patrice, the 10 minute clock started. So we're live on the set. And here's what I learned that day. 
you don't just guarantee your, your 10 minutes. If you're live and, and, and all of a sudden you're not doing well, you're not hitting their numbers, like a minute or two in, the clock will jump from like eight minutes down to two. You just lost six minutes and oh, a lot of money. Wow. Yeah. It's no guarantees even either. So we go live and they say, I knew what I had to do, but it's hard. And we go live and it's like 959, 958. And I was about to show this demonstration on my wrist where I took two of the um, super expensive department store concealers. And then I put ours next to it and I would bend my wrist and show how ours didn't crease or crack. I had practiced this in my bathroom mirror so many times and I'm live on TV thinking I'm going to nail it. Right. And I'm not nervous for TV, but I was like, oh, but my whole company was on the line and I was shaking so bad that I couldn't even get through this demonstration. And the host grabbed my, my hand and she shoved it down and she's like, thank you, sugar. And she took over. And um, thankfully her name was Lisa. She was the host that came up to me at that big beauty expo. They paired me with her for the opening show. And this is a God moment I have to tell you about also. Sorry, I'm, I'm talking so fast. I'm no, I it. love it. I love it. <laughs> and, and, and so, I'm, so I, I fail my demo because I'm too nervous. But then there's a moment where my whole bright red bare face before shot comes up on national television. And we head over to the models. And literally, I have a model, like all ages, sizes, skin tones, skin challenges. like and Real women. Through, yes, real. Exactly. And then I remember at there. Were, so it was like under a minute left. And the host was like, the deep shade's almost gone. And the tan shade, we're down to 200. And I was like, oh. and then I remember the 10 minute mark hit and the sold out sign like diagonally came up across the screen. And I literally start sobbing. And then they cut and they think I'm going to faint because new guests often faint because the pressure and they go to some other style, probably Dyson vacuum. I don't remember. And I, then my, I remember my husband came like like rushing through the double doors of the studio. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have spoken, like sobbing. And he's like, we're not going bankrupt. And the, <laughs> the whole, like that one show turned into five and then 151 and then uh-huh. over 200. We did 250 live shows a year and built the largest beauty brand in QVC's history. And right now at this moment, while we're talking, it's the largest beauty brand in QVC's history. And I only share that because three years, three years, they said, no, you're not the right fit. Come on. And then two God moments really fast. I know I'm talking so much. I'm nervous. I thing. love it. I love oh it. We're, get, we're getting the real deal when we can let Jamie just do her thing. So just uh, know. Well, I just feel like, oh, had I known some of these things earlier, like I wouldn't have freaking felt like I was failing and never going to make it all these things. Right. It's like it's so hard when we don't see the the stuff around us. But first of all, I've learned so many lessons on how, like there's that famous saying, God's rejection or, or rejections, God's protection. Right. So, Oh, okay. So two big things. Sorry. I know you, no, it's Jamie's time. Come on. Uh, no, but um, okay. So two things, just in case anyone's out there getting rejected right now, has this feeling like something's supposed to happen and it's not happening. So two things. So the guy at Allen Burke, the head of all of the QVC beauty. So after we launched on QVC, he ended up becoming our biggest champion. One of my closest mentors. He is right now to this day. Was Is he on your board? Oh yeah. On my board. No, but I should have had him on my board. No. Oh yeah. Oh, board, board. Yes. You're sorry. I was thinking vision board for a second. I'm like, no, I never put him on. No, no, no. Yes, he is. Okay. Exactly. Patrice. Thank you. Sorry. So after we launched on QVC, he became my closest mentor. And yes, exactly. When, so he retired from QVC after decades of being there and building their 
multi-billion dollar business. And we hired him on a pay, in a paid position on our advisory board. So the guy that had rejected me, who I spent nights crying myself to sleep, telling he was telling me I'm not the right fit, was now working for me. It's like, it was this moment where I'm like, oh, like nothing's impossible for God, number one. And then, and then the other thing is um, after we, oh, and, and really fast, I learned once I started knowing more of what I should know, because <laughs> in the early years, I didn't know what I didn't know. I realized like he was right the times he had said no. I was right? going to bring that up. Yes. And I just didn't know what I didn't know. And I learned after years of being on QVC, had he said yes, when I wanted them to, we would have failed miserably because we were not operationally sophisticated enough from an infrastructure perspective to handle that account. And I had this big moment and, and several others where I realized that sometimes like these painful no's, these rejections are really just grace, <laughs> right? They're grace. Yes. They're serendipitous grace. And I, I remember those things now when I face rejection to this day and I'm like, okay, God's protection, or this is serendipitous grace wrapped in this package labeled painful rejection. Um, yeah. Then, uh, the, the last thing when I talk about God is just that many years later when we, so, so that host, the QVC host, she discovered us at the, the uh, expo and then she did my first show. So she had retired shortly after we launched on QVC. Fast forward many years later, we built the largest beauty brand in QVC's history. I'm like, I've got to call her. I've got to thank her so much for loving our product. Like she changed my life. So I call, I looked her up, called her up. And I said, like, I just want to thank you. Like, can you, can you believe this? Like I was that girl you went up to at that expo, like who cried after you said like, right. And I'm like, and we have the largest beauty brand in QVC history. Like, thank you so much for loving our product. Like, thank you. And she said to me, literally like stone cold said to me on the phone, I do love your product, but, th- but that's not why I went up to you that day. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, I was walking this floor with thousands of women. And, you know, and she goes, and I clearly heard God tell me, go up and help that girl. And she goes, all I did was listen. And I was like, whoa. So anyways, stories like that are what start happening once I, and this didn't happen overnight, but when I started praying and telling God, I doubted he existed and can he please just show up and prove me wrong because things around us don't always, you know, make sense. Oh my God. No. Well, my word for 2020 was obedience. And so just to hear that she was obedient and the, yes. the ripple effect. Sometimes we think our obedience is all about us, but there are mm-hmm. so many other people's destinies connected to our obedience. Yes. And when you think about that, it just really makes you like get out of the way and stop thinking that everything is about you. Right. And I, and I love that you also brought up that point about capacity. Sometimes we're praying for things that we don't have the capacity yet to sustain. Mm-hmm. Like when God puts the desire in our heart, it's not always a right now thing. Sometimes it's just a preview, life's coming attraction, but it's not a right now thing. It may be a two year from now thing. It may be three years, five years, 10 years. And sometimes we just need to have a moment to get a hold of the vision, but that's where we commit to the vision, but then don't become so attached to how we get there. Mm -hmm. Right. So you couldn't have prayed for that woman 
to have that moment and come over to you. Like, that's not even a, a prayer you can specifically say, God, I pray that a host from QVC is going to walk by and feel drawn and connect. That's how I'll know, right? You don't, you can't really pray for that. But man, what a story. I, I just have to ask you one more thing. I, I just want to talk to you all day because you guys, I'm telling you, I've read this book, Believe It, from cover to cover. I'm just about done. And it is so good. The business lessons, the the people lessons, the faith lessons, the just everything. It is like such a great representation of the six pillars of wealth. You literally touch on in this book everything that we talk about. And one big thing just in terms of community, you have a section where you talk about your good girlfriends and just the mix of the different backgrounds you all come from. But I also want you to just touch on really quickly, Jamie, the mean girls that you encountered mm-hmm. at QVC, because I think sometimes we can hear the story and it'll feel like, oh, she went and had that, you know, that awesome first day of sales. And that turned into you know, hundreds, thousands of live shows, but we still don't know that even when God delivers a blessing, that doesn't mean that everyone else is cheering for you or that they're ready, you know, for you to get this blessing or that sometimes people don't feel, or how do I word this? Sometimes that even when you're in the midst of your blessing that you, that you fought for, that you worked for, that you prayed for, that you cried for, that you did whatever you had to do for, there are still people who will look at you and have a problem with that. Like, who do you think you are? Or what do you think this is? And you encountered mean girls on that journey. And that's a very real, even in the personal development space. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's clicks in there, <laughs> you know, clicks can happen and it can be very mean girl, like very nice on the surface, but then not so nice when you're in the green room behind the black curtain. So what did you experience and how did you just kind of navigate that journey? Yeah, that was so hard. And you know, it's wild. I almost didn't share it in the book because I'd never shared it before. But I think if we don't share our truths and our stories, then it's like we rob other people of right, of feeling like they're alone in theirs. And so yeah, this was tough. I mean, you know, after we launched and I learned when you're when you're small and you're not a threat to anybody, everyone's nice. <laughs> right. And then once we started actually growing and growing and growing. You know, most of the other brand founders, because I met thousands of founders over the years now at QVC, most of them were great. Most of the women, most of the people were great. There's a small group of brand founders and the three of them, their brands were larger than mine, much larger than mine. And they started not being so happy that we were doing well. And in the QVC green room, they actually show, uh, you'll do uh, shows where you're with multiple brands in one hour. And the computer screen shows every person's sales performance. And we started having shows where we would double the sales goal or blow everyone, like all these things. And there's such an antiquated belief, unfortunately, especially with a lot of women that like, oh, someone else's success means like takes away from my own versus, oh, I'm inspired by this. I'm going to up my own game, right? And I thought, okay, this is normal. This is competition. I'm sure Microsoft doesn't like Google. I don't know. So I just took it like it is what it is for a while in the green room. And it started turning into like a little bit of harassment and then full out bullying. And I'm like, okay, I worked so hard to get to QVC. I'm still a little small fry compared to all these big league brands. I'm not going to go tell QVC. Like 
I, I hid it. I kept it to myself. My husband would see me crying my eyes out, out in the parking lot. I would call uh, our advisors. I would call my best friend, Natasha, all that. But it, it was hard. And there were, you know, remember the live pressure of the show. So there was one, one day where they shut me out of the communal green room and wouldn't let me in to change for the show. Uh, there was another day where the show open happened and everyone's standing around. You're supposed to stand around like you're mingling at a party is how they position the show open. And one particular day, it was just the three of them and me in the show. And I, they wouldn't let me in the circle. So I was trying to like, at least for the show open, I'm like, guys, just fake it. Please just be nice on camera. They wouldn't let me in the circle. And I remember standing, I didn't know what to do. We were about to go live. So I stood outside the circle on live television, just kind of like fidgeting, pretending like I was supposed to be over there all alone. And I was like holding back tears, knowing I needed to go on air and sell like $100,000 or something in the next six minutes or something like that, whatever, whatever the sales goal was at the time. And it got to the point where it was so painful because I couldn't just like not be around them. And like, this was the big leagues, right? This wasn't like, oh, you know, go, you know, it was, so it was like, I got to figure out what to do. And there was a moment uh, in the green room one night where I just, I was like praying. I was just like, trying to stay focused. And I didn't tell, I wasn't telling all the other people because it's like, first of all, it's gossip. And second of all, they might make it something bigger. And I was like, I need to focus. I need to like, remember why I'm here, but which isn't about me. It's about like everything I'm trying to create. And anyways, there was one moment that was really a defining moment for me where I was praying like crazy in that green room. And I had this moment come over me where I just knew a certainty. Oh, they're the ones trying to compete with me wasting their own time and energy trying to compete with me. But like what I know for sure is none of us are here to compete with anyone else. We're here to compete with the person God made us capable of becoming. And, and I remember that moment. And I remember just thinking, you know what? I know <laughs> this is me telling myself this. I know one day I'm going to be, my, my company will be so large that it'll, the thought of competing with me won't even cross their minds anymore. Meanwhile, Come on, I'm, Jamie. I'm telling myself this and they're huge compared to me. Right. So, so I won't give away all the lessons in the book about it, but fast forward many years later, we've become the largest beauty brand in QVC's history. Uh, uh, one of them became completely indifferent toward me. Uh, one of them is just pleasant. One made a bid for connection uh, to start a friendship, which I just, kind of keep as a pleasant acquaintance. <laughs> um, but like these things we go, I think it's Joel Osteen famous saying, uh, like all the, all the struggles we go through make us strong enough to like carry the weight of our successes when we have them one day or optimize our successes. These girls fueled what I already know to be true, which is like when you get into a special meeting, you bring another woman as your plus one, like your success, right. Your success, right? Like I remember earlier this year, it was early, I'm trying to remember what month it was. I got a call. Would you go on the Mel Robbins show and tell your story, her talk show? And you're going to get one segment's last in the show. My first instinct, Patrice, no joke, is pitch another woman. I'm like, oh, have you heard about Leah Valencia Key? She's a, a, one of my closest friends. And, it, and one of the many women, women I mentor, I'm like, she was homeless and she, you know, and she just got a shot on QVC in front of hundred million homes. She has a jewelry line. Like her story is amazing. I instantly pitch another woman, right? Because for me, it's like you get in life what you give, right? So lo and yes. behold, the producer calls Leah. Leah's now getting on the show and I'm supposed to be the last segment in the show, right? We fly out to New York. This is the month COVID hit. So it must've been March, March or February, one of the two. We fly to New York. Leah now has her own segment. And I'm like 
you know, it's like, I don't have that scarcity mindset. I didn't care if she took my, it's like, I didn't care. It's like, it's like, we're, it's like who's in control us or God. Right. So I pitched Leah. So now we're both in New York. We end up getting like four of the five segments on the show. Somehow I'm coaching people live in the audience with Mel who blew my socks off. She's so freaking talented. I have never <laughs> seen her live before. Leah gets her own segment. It was like the coolest. Anyway, it's possible. Whole, yeah. And my, and, and the thing is those mean girls, those kind of things that hurt also fuel us into like, oh, like maybe I wouldn't have even been as mindful of like, oh, let me lift up another woman. Let me, maybe I wouldn't have been that mindful had I not gone through the pain of that. You know yes. what I'm saying? So oh, yeah. not that it didn't suck, but it's like, it, it it's all God's setups. You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes you aware this really happens because when you're not set up like that, it's just not a thing. It's not in your frame of reference. Like I couldn't imagine not being supportive. It's just, that's just not who I am. Right. So it's not until something like that happens to you that you're like, Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So people really behave this way. So now I have to double down on being mindful and aware that, yeah, if I get an invite, it's for me as a black woman, you know, now I'm at a certain point where I don't take every gig that comes to me, right? I just don't have the the bandwidth to do them all. But I'm also very mindful that I don't want it to be filled with just a man or, you know, mm. mostly with a man. I'm like, mm, I know other women. What are you looking for specifically? Like, what made you reach out to me? Let me find another woman. And if it's a role where a Black woman could do really well, I'm definitely like, hey, I know another black woman who would be awesome if you're just trying to round out your panel or you want to make sure that that seat is filled with another black woman. Let me introduce you to someone instead of just saying no. And then I'm not really sure, you know, that a woman or a black woman or a woman of color will get that opportunity. And the more my clients have just become more and more diverse. Now I have kind of like a little Rolodex where I'm like, hey, I've actually coached a few women who I think would be awesome for this, but I never say no anymore just because I don't have time. I'm like, I'm not able to, but here are three women that I think will be phenomenal. And to, to us, to me, it could be, oh, that's just another thing. But for someone else, this is the catalyst for their career or this is yes. the next best step for them. And if you can do it, why not? So yeah. it's also why I feel really passionate that I show up in excellence for mm. like my brand partnerships or speaking or to do what I'm called to do um, because I want them to take my referrals seriously. And I also make sure with the people that I refer like, hey. This is not just about you. This is about the women that I'm going to continue to refer and also women you may want to refer in the future. So we have, you know, so we got to show up and do what we're supposed to do. But I love it. You know what else, too? I know you're I know you're just I, you were saying earlier, the personal growth space is even some mean girls and stuff. And it's like I'm brand new to, to talking in that space and stuff like I've done a million keynotes, but it's always for cosmetics, you know, at, at different events. So doing the personal growth space, like. I don't even, I don't even know the, I don't even know who's all mean girl and this and that, but here's what I do know. I do know you can't fake authenticity. That's what I know. So anyone, whoever they are, who is one way in, in real life, but then one way when they're, when they're, it, it's only a matter of time because it never lasts. Oh yeah. I truly believe like you can't, you cannot fake authenticity and 
once you're aligned in that, that's that's the only way I believe to to build anything that lasts, that matters, that's fulfilling, that's you know that that connects with other human beings. So I don't know. Being I fake is too hard. You have to remember <laughs> what face you're going to put on. Like it's just that's work that I just don't have time for. I'm and like you, <laughs> you and me being introverts. Imagine if we were trying to be fake. That's way too much work. If you're an introvert, on top of it all. Oh my <laughs> gosh, too much, too the much. pain, the struggle of it all, girl. Yes. I need to ask you as we close your redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions like but I just feel compelled to say again Jamie you did a beautiful job with this book oh thank you this book is outstanding and anyone who reads it is just going to have such a better grasp of your heart and your why and just your makeup and what makes you you. There were so many things. I'm telling you guys, this book is dog ear to death. It is <laughs> red, underlined, highlighted. I enjoyed it so much. And, you know, when we got on this interview, we um, I forgot that I hadn't talked to you before. Like I had we text and like I DM, but I hadn't actually seen you and like talked because I felt like, oh, this is my girl. I just got on like, hey girl, hey. I didn't even realize yeah. we hadn't talked yet. Yeah, like me too. verbally. We talk forever before we even started to do this <laughs> <laughs> like the best. you you really put it all out there. And I just have to say that again, before I ask you these questions, like, I just want to thank you so much for someone who's accomplished so much to tell your truth and to share your heart and to share genuine practical lessons, like tangible things that we can learn from in terms of our mental, our mental health, you know, like our people pillar here, we talk about creating relationships that matter. You shared both personally and professionally. You shared your faith journey with us. You shared money lessons, business lessons. I mean, it's just so well-rounded and I just appreciate that you gave your all. I just have to tell you that. Thank I just you. I, uh, thank you so much. And I know you're almost at the end. And, and I always tease you. I'm like, I hope you still feel that way by the end. But the last chapter, I, sh- I share some crazy, embarrassing stuff that's just so real about right now, because I think it's a journey for all of us. And I just I just want people to know they're not alone and that, it, you know, it's, it's possible for them too to to break through all that, that doubt that holds us back and step into all of who they are. Here's, here's why I think whatever it is, cause I haven't gotten to the end. She knows <laughs> like, I'm like <laughs> a couple chapters away. I haven't gotten there. The thing about when you're truly authentic and transparent and you are willing to share the good, the bad, the ugly of your journey. The thing is, no matter how crazy it gets, people show grace because they can see the human side. Right. Like it's not easy sharing that I filed bankruptcy, you know, and then I still have the nerve to want to help people with personal finance. Right. Mm -hmm. But because I've shared the good parts, the bad parts, the beautiful parts, the ugly parts, I think that by the time people have learned that about my journey, they're like, oh, okay," And they just go (laughs) like it's like, okay, she's not only going to share the highlight reel and that's. That's what makes it real. That's what makes it authentic. And no one here is perfect, right? So, and we've all been through things, experienced things, done things that we maybe are not 1000% proud of, but it's also a part of the story that God is using 
to continue to bring us into who we are called to be. So without that, we're, like, what do we have? Right. So mm. now I'm still going to text you when I get there. All right. So let me ask you the rapid wisdom questions today. How do you define success? Having spiritual alignment in your soul, like living in flow where you know what you're doing aligns with like who you're called to be. Mm, I love it. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Joy, love, peace. I love it. Okay. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? All right. This is throwing it way back, way back. And it may seem counterintuitive, but 20 years ago, Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within, helped me while I was a Denny's waitress and pushing shopping carts in the Safeway grocery store parking lot, helped me believe that where I came from doesn't determine where I'm going. Uh, And I think the belief we have of what's possible is invaluable. I love it. We feel that here. (laughs) This community totally gets that. That's awesome. Okay, here's the last one. It's fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Jamie Kern Lima, and the truth about wealth is God-sized dreams are possible. The God journey is going to give us all the wealth that we need, even when we don't see it right away, as long as we stay in faith. I love it. Thank you, Jamie. Those this are tough questions. Good. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. oh this, <sighs> thank you so much. I'm this super is so excited. good. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank I know you this book is going to do incredible things. So yeah, excited. God willing, I just hope it. You know, whoever needs it finds it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's my biggest hope. Also, too, just to share, we have for the big launch week. Anyone who picks it up, anywhere. That it sold. Um, believe it. So it's called Believe It. And then the website, believeit.com, uh, during launch week and probably the week after, you get tons of free stuff. So there's a big study guide to help you implement all the lessons in your real life. And I'm doing a, a course there called Becoming Unstoppable. You get that for free as well, just to celebrate the launch of the book. And then it's going to go away. So if you want free stuff, <laughs> believeit.com, uh, which I'm excited about because I've never done any of that stuff before. So I'm really, I'm excited. And my prayer is just that it helps everyone in their own journey of believing in themselves, trusting themselves, and uh, stepping into all of who they are. So thank you, Patrice. Thank you so much. Okay, wasn't that yummy? Yes, what a great conversation. Literally, Jamie and I could have gone on and on and on. I, I had to force us to stop talking, but she is such a light such obviously a brilliant woman, but she just is also so humble and so kind. And I feel really blessed to be building a friendship and a relationship with her. And you guys know, I don't just say this. I only say, you know, I say this when I really, really, really mean it. The book Believe It is phenomenal. It is so thoughtful. And one of the things that I loved is that You know, while Jamie could have taken out a lot of her faith references, she really leaned in and went deeper with it. And the way she speaks about faith and the way she speaks about community 
and and just being supported, right? Allowing yourself to be supported, but also supporting others and dealing with haters and dealing with self-doubt. It is a book that I believe every woman who, really anyone who is looking to launch something in the world should really pick up because it's important that you know that you're not the first, you're not the last, you're not alone. This is and can be a long and hard journey, a roller coaster, really. But when you see people like Jamie come out on top, it just reminds you that it's possible. And I think one of our greatest, greatest uh, mindsets or beliefs that we can have is just that hope that says, if someone else did it, you can do it too. And I believe that's what believe it will do for you. So make sure you check Jamie out, find her on Instagram, pick up a copy of Believe It. Just incredible. It came out this week and I hope you see and hear her everywhere and that you're just inspired and encouraged by this beautiful message. So that's it for me. Let's talk about it in our Redefining Wealth Facebook group. If you have not joined, what are you waiting for? Come on over. It's the free community where you can you know, network and meet other folks who are just like you. We have some pop-up trainings coming up. A lot of my Purpose to Platform alumni clients do trainings on their expertise in that group. And there's just tons of information and great resources. So come connect with us there. And that's it for me. Make sure you rate and review the podcast as well. It helps. It helps. It helps. We need you to rate, review, share, subscribe, all the good stuff. And that's really it. Did I have a preacher close? Was that like three or four closes? No, seriously, that's it. So until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.